ops, and a little bit of paranoia. Welcome to the Iron Sysadmin Podcast. So that first half of the show, I think, was fun. Folks, if you're listening audio only, I don't know what the first half of this show is going to turn out to audio. So you may end up with just the B half as the as this week's show, but I'm going to give you a quick recap. Mark and I sat down and installed RHEL, not RHEL, Red Hat 5.0 in a VM on my other machine and streamed it live. And um, it was a fun little trip down memory lane. Couple of tears. Couple of tears. We uh, we were hoping to try to get a, a graphics environment up and running and maybe like get to the web or something, but that Narrator. just it just didn't happen. <laughs> so we also talked some Linux history. We did so, talk but, some Linux. So history. there's some there's some good Linux history in there. So yeah, my vote because I again at this point I don't know what's going to happen. My vote is you try and keep it even if yeah. there's some. My uh, even if, my even if it's not ideal. My goal is going to be to try to cut it down so that the parts where we were basically talking about what was on the screen in a way that lacked too much context, uh, I'll cut those out. And the rest I'll try to keep as sort of a a trip down memory lane there. You'll you'll lose a couple of my witticisms, but I think you'll perhaps, perhaps. So I'll do my best, but I can't make any guarantees. If you guys want to see what the first half was all about, go check out the YouTube channel or for at least a short amount of time, Twitch. And just watch it because, you know, it's it's really a better uh, experienced visually. <laughs> Is it? Well, I don't know. Maybe it's not. <laughs> so at any rate, uh, I will if I do end up not not releasing the audio, I will at least include the show notes from the first half of the show along with this show. So you can go look at the links for what's what basically spurred the conversation and uh, some of the things that we talked about because they were, you know, there's some interesting news articles or not news articles, but articles in there. So, and a YouTube video of, uh, of uh, Linus Tech Tips doing a Linux Daily Driver Challenge. It's a fun video. Fun video. But this is really supposed to be about the second half of the show, not a recap of the first half of the show. It is, but I wanted to give people, you know, something to look back on. So we're going to move on to the announcements. Uh, and first that's of all, how we're always over two hours. You're you're right. Uh, so first of all, our our usual patron update. We've got. Well, I'll just read the read the names off without too much preamble. We got name pending one ninety seven, which I don't know how long that name's going to be pending. You think it would have been approved by now? Uh, Jeremy, Aranami, Andrew, Tatro, Bruce, Robert, Matt, David, Solemn with a zero and a three. Trooper-ish, Linux Sys666, Gimpy B, Mark with a K, Dementor, or The Mentor, if you want to look him up on our Discord and say hi. Uh, Discord! Mark with a... I did that one already. John, the nice guy. Mark with a C, Julius, Andy, J, Charles, and good old 22532. Two. If you want to support the show on Patreon, just look us up. Patreon.com slash Sysadmin. If you are a patron of the Iron Sysadmin tier, I think it is, for three months, you will uh, receive a t-shirt, or so Patreon tells me. We'll see what happens when the first people hit that uh, three-month mark. What happens? <laughs> if you'd rather just buy a shirt, you can go to teespring.com slash stores slash Iron Sysadmin and buy a shirt, and we get the proceeds. So that's a more direct and uh, immediate way to support the show. 
if you're impatient. If you're impatient and don't want to spend, uh, what is it, $45 to, to get a shirt. <laughs> I prefer to think of it as $45 to support some excellent that's, nerd programming. That's exactly what that $45 well, is. Well, nerd programming. Well. Anyway. Yeah, is it really, is it excellent? I don't know. We hope it's excellent. Do you guys think it's excellent? I, I mean, people keep showing up. If you do think it's excellent, you should leave us a review and let us know. Because there's, once again, no reviews. But we're not at the reviews part of the show yet. We're at the part where I say, besides Delaware, is happening right now. Right like, now. Like, literally tomorrow morning, the conference starts. If you have not registered, you can probably still do so. Jason is not here tonight because he's busy preparing for the conference tomorrow. So, you should go check it out. Uh, if When's you... besides Delaware? What's that? When's besides Delaware? Uh... Let me think. It's right on the tip of my brain. Oh, it's tomorrow. <laughs> tomorrow, tomorrow. It's B-Sides tomorrow. B-Sides blah, tomorrow. Blah, 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 blah. And, uh, right, like I said, no new reviews. But whatever. I think that may be the fastest we've gotten through the announcements. Mark, what kind of chat you got going on? What kind of cool things are you doing? What the hell did I write in chat? I don't even remember. You wrote stuff about some game you're playing? Right, right. So... Back at the beginning of the pandemic, life life started to really kind of stink for a lot of us. Like, right at the beginning, that's when everybody was, like, locked down. Like, you couldn't, yep. you couldn't go anywhere. Like, you could walk around your neighborhood and stuff, but, like, businesses were closed. You couldn't gather, you know, with, with people or whatever. And... Nintendo released the latest Animal Crossing, Animal Crossing New Horizons on the Switch in in March of 2020. Uh, I bought a copy of that and then bought a cop at, at the same time, bought copies for three of my kids. And Animal Crossing's Animal Crossing, it's crossing. Old people would call it Animal Crossing's. Um, that game possibly saved my sanity. I played a lot. And back on November 5th, they released a very significant content update. They basically, there, there was a fair amount of stuff that a lot of the fans wanted that, that had been in the series prior. Well, they pretty much got, I'm going to say, 95% of the stuff they wanted. And they also released a $25 DLC where hmm. you design vacation homes for the animals. And there's actually, normally you, you can only have a limit of 10 villagers on your main island. You can, there's over 400 animals in Animal Crossing. Here's Rossetti. Although he's an NPC, but like, here, here's one of my favorite villagers. It's like a mole. Card for him. Oh. Avery. He's, a, he's an eagle. He's a bird. Named Avery. Yeah. That's funny. There's like, yeah, there's like over 400, like 430, 450, whatever. Every single animal in Animal Crossing can be on the vacation island. You could actually have over 400 homes you've designed for them. It's insane. It's insane. That is kind of insane. So oh, that's a lot of animal yeah. vacation homes. Yeah, I'm up to about a dozen. So, <laughs> and, but anyway, so, so. <clears throat> If you were an Animal Crossing fan, I mean, it sold a gajillion copies. There were a lot of articles written about it. Um, 
there's a whole bunch of people at Red Hat that play, and we've now resurrected the G Chat channel for it because pretty cool. You know, there's new interest. In it. But if so, if you're if you if you had ever heard about Animal Crossing, if you have a Switch, if you were intrigued, well, now is a great time to get in because that 2.0 update. They're calling it the last major free update. So Nintendo considers the game pretty much feature complete now. So that's cool. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. So um, I'm I'll admit I'm curious about Animal Crossing. I uh, I don't think I've ever played an Animal Crossing game. I know you have before this. And that's why uh, you yeah. bought this. But uh, my kids, I think, would enjoy it at the very least. I don't get to sit down and play a lot of console games. But uh, they do, and we have a Switch, and they have utterly destroyed my Zelda save, so, <laughs> which I, I was making some decent progress on until they got a hold of the Switch. So maybe I could get them to play uh, Animal Crossing and leave Zelda alone. <laughs> maybe. They, they'd probably get into it, because there's lots of cute animals in it. it That's what I was thinking. A, a lot of it's about building your own house on the island about decorating the island. A lot of it's about collecting furniture and other decorations, collecting clothing, collecting recipes to build stuff. Um, and there's there's lots of options to even do custom designs if you're really creative, like your own graphical patterns and stuff. That's cool. I, I think it would be right, especially probably Kira. I mean, Harper's probably old enough that she'd get it, that she'd be fine. But yeah, well, she's I, the I one that's been playing uh, Breath of the Wild, so I think. <laughs> but I know that I know that when Kira was here at the picnic in the summer, she had a whole book of drawings and stuff she was doing. Mm-hmm. So it would probably really appeal to her creative side. Cool. Maybe I'll check it out. You should, and you only if you get one copy, they can each have an eye. It's one copy per switch. You get one island per switch, and you can have eight up to eight player houses on the island. Oh, cool! And then plus the ten animals. And if they like it, buy the DLC because the DLC is well worth it. Now it's Animal Crossing is still the full price game. It's still a sixty dollar game, right? Yeah. Um. Although, yeah. I mean, you, you know, Christmas got, is coming. You might have got yeah, and you might have gotten the same Red Hat reward points I got today from a certain mutual friend. Possibly. You can afford it anyway. <laughs> but that's what I've been doing. And in fact, I was in New York City last weekend, did our pilgrimage to the Nintendo store on our way to see the Rockettes at Radio City Music Hall. And I treated myself to an Animal Crossing Nintendo controller. Ooh, very cool. All my PC only gaming friends are throwing up in their mouth a little bit right now. PC Master Race, yo. But too bad. <laughs> Now there's there's the the Switch is a fun a fun console. It's I, an excellent console. I like the the portability and the sort of the versatility like the the options you have yes. for the different types of controllers and the way you can use them and stuff. It, it's pretty neat. It, it it will be traveling with me this Sunday as my family goes to Disney World. Yeah, I'm taking a little vacation heading down to the to the to the mouse this Sunday. Cool. So I'm super excited about that. We were there two years ago now. Two years? Yeah. Two you years guys ago went now. November. You got it, it actually is 
Two years, yeah. Yeah. I'm so, going on uh, your two-year anniversary. And you, after you go this time, you will have been there twice since we were there, which I'm kind of jealous because <laughs> it was well, such a good time. <laughs> I'm at a different stage in my life than you are. So no, no, I get that. When I when I had kids your age, like I I couldn't I just couldn't have done it. Mm-hmm. Didn't have enough money for one thing. Yep. Uh, yeah, I guess not having to support children is uh, is a great way to save money. Yeah. <laughs> I have some life goals, right? So never make didn't make it on Rise of the Resistance last time, but one of the guys go one of the people going is my future son-in-law Lucas, who is a big Star Wars fiend. So we're definitely going to get on that. Uh, I've already got an appointment for us to build droids on Wednesday. Cool. I'm probably going to do a BB unit. Cool. And uh, I got to I gotta get, we're probably going to hit Universal on Thursday because our park tickets, we, we left Thursday open for either a down day or to do Universal. Is that is that where the Harry Potter attractions are? It is. It is. We wanted to see that when we were down there, but... We had a full week at Disney planned, so there was really no chance to get out and go check out Universal. Well, we're going Sunday to Sunday, so yeah. we've actually got, like, we're Saturday is a Disney day for us. We're doing Epcot, and then, because we're doing Epcot on Monday, Epcot's our favorite park. Yeah. And we're doing Epcot again on Saturday, but we have park hopper tickets. Epcot was pretty awesome for adults. The kids, not so much. But, I mean, There's they still had fun there. Parts. But it wasn't it wasn't like Magic Kingdom, right? Like they had a blast in Magic Kingdom. My two favorite parks are probably Epcot and Epcot. Yeah. Magic Kingdom is wonderful. Uh, don't get me wrong. But overall, my two favorites are Epcot and Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah. But like many things, the first trip to Disney was a, as much fun as it was a learning curve. So I think going again, we would probably do a few things a little differently and we might have even more fun. But it was a blast. I mean, I would I would go back in a heartbeat. And I, of course, need to add to my collection of selfies taken with Disney princesses. Well, that's important. That's very important. Absolutely. Absolutely. Cool. So that's 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 what's going on with me, with you. So um, I bought new controllers for uh, the VR oh, setup. right. You and I haven't really talked about them. We really haven't. And partially, part of that was because I wanted to give it some time to really see how much I liked them before I gave them any kind of a review. And I'm, I'm still not sure if I'm quite ready for that, but I can certainly give first impressions. So I picked up... I, what I had... Um, I'll spare you guys the long story, but basically Mark here gave me his old VR headset, which is a HTC Vive. Um, I don't even know what model it was because there's like three models of Vive at this point. It's the it's the original one. It's not the Pro. Okay, so uh, I have an original Vive headset, and that's all he gave me, right? So he kept the well, other stuff because he upgraded headset. But it also headset. has it also has the advanced audio. Okay. Strap. So um, it's actually an o, an OG with the audio update. Sorry. Okay, cool. This is not. We're not making a long story short. Me. No, we're not. Uh, so I had to buy the the tracking units. And I had to buy controllers, right? And I just went to eBay and I got them for like, I don't know, 200 bucks for everything, right? Because I wanted to get it going on the cheap and get into it and see really how much I was going to play it. Well, long story short, I've played a ton of VR since then. And I really do. I love it. It's, it's, It's everything I've wanted in gaming since I started gaming. 
It's just so I'm much more fluid. It. That 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 makes me feel happy. That well, good. I'm glad. I'm glad that it does. And to be honest, even though you upgraded away from this, you told me when you gave it to me, it's still a fine headset. Uh, you just needed better definition for the game that you play. And you're right, right? I mean, it's still great. Uh, again, I don't want to get too deep. There are certain things I can nitpick, but again, for a free headset, it's really good. So anyway, to the point here is uh, I bought the Vive uh, Wands, which are the, you know, the controllers that came with the Vive. Um, because one... You guys might remember, what was his name, Josh, that we had on from Papercut? We talked about VR a little bit with him, and I told him that I had the headset, and I told him I was going to buy, you know, the Vive setup, and he said, don't do that. Buy the Valve Index Knuckles controllers. They're so much better. But I didn't want to spend 300 bucks on controllers when I was just getting into VR, so I bought the Vive Wands, and they've been good. Um, the one thing I don't like about them is the hand grip controls, like the the... The, the squeeze the squeeze buttons I don't know what you call those the grip button my hands get like stiff and when I play enough VR my knuckles start to hurt just from squeezing them right and maybe it's just the way I play maybe I squeeze them too hard I don't know whatever it is my hands were getting like stiff so I thought you know the valve index controllers have finger tracking instead of buttons they actually have like uh I'm not even sure what technology it uses, but it's similar to like the radar or LIDAR that are in cell phones nowadays, so they can actually track your fingers as they move. So there's no more squeezing to activate the squeeze grip, right? And I thought, well, that alone might be enough to be an upgrade for me. And on top of that, they use joysticks instead of the little touch uh, D-pads that the, the wands use. Supposedly, I think I read somewhere they can, they're supposed to be able to be tracked better by the base stations. Um, but anyway, I bought some, and I, I'll say that I like them. There are, there have been a handful of things that are just me getting used to the new controllers versus the old ones. I think if I had started with these, they wouldn't be problems, but they're just things like button mappings are different uh, in the game that we play, No Man's Sky. There's a couple things that are different, so I had to figure out how to play some of the pieces of the game that I already thought I knew how to play. Um, but yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to say that, for the moment, I'm pretty happy with them. Would I recommend that everybody ditch their HTC Vive wand controllers and spend 300 bucks on these? I don't know. I don't know that it was that big of an improvement. For me, with my specific stiff hand problem, they're an improvement. If you have that problem, maybe you want to look into them. Otherwise, I don't know if they're that if they're really all that. I haven't found any like night and day. Everything is so much better now that I've switched. So, you know, if you're thinking about buying a VR setup, I would probably say go ahead and buy these to start with. Don't go to the wands first. But if you've already got the wands, they're not that big of an upgrade, I think, that they're uh they're really worth spending the money on. Okay. So, you know, if um if any of that resonated with you, Mark, like about the squeeze grips or whatever, or even the joysticks. The joysticks are a nice upgrade. They are easier to control, I think, than the touch D-pads that are on the the wands. Um, sure. But again, those two things, is that really worth the money? I don't know. If your wands say, died, maybe you'd want to spend the money on these instead of for wands. Now, for now, I'm happy with the way the wands work. Yeah, if you like the wands, I don't think I don't think it's really that big of an like, upgrade. Like, I... I use the VR more than some people do, 
but it's not like I'm doing VR every day. Right. And I'm kind of in a no man's sky mode now where I do use the wands, but at some point I want to get back into the flight simulator, which doesn't use those controllers at all. It's keyboard and like the, the, the pow the, 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 the HOTUS and stuff. No, I didn't realize that, that, that uh, flight sim didn't use those. No, not at all. Interesting. Those, you don't even turn them on. You're just hmm. using, you're just using the headset. That's cool. Yeah. Well, I should I'll say show, interesting. Next time, next time you're here, I'll show you how Flight Simulator works. That's cool. With the VR stuff, you, you're the mouse. You end up using the mouse in the cockpit as your hand. Hmm. How? Yeah. Wow. Okay. I guess. I guess if everything's within reach, that shouldn't be yeah, that bad. Yeah. The mouse I, is the mouse is easy. It just you take your hand off the joystick, and the mouse is right there on the. Oh, okay. On, so you use a. That makes sense. Use a joystick instead of the wand. Now it makes Correct. sense. Okay. All right, well, that's cool. That's cool. And then rudder pedals. Cool. What if you don't have pedals? Do you have to have pedals you to don't play? Need, you don't need pedals. I bought the rudder pedals after getting into it. You can you, you can program the rudders as a twist on the HOTUS or some other way. Cool. But I like the rudder pedals because it's authentic. Well, yeah, I mean, if you're if you're really getting into it, I mean, I've seen people that do, I don't know if it's flight sim or not, but they have like a full-on like instrument panel in front of them. Oh yeah. No, they if I wasn't doing VR, that's I'd probably have bought some of the fake instrument panels with the switches and stuff. It's pretty crazy. That's just cool. It is cool. It is cool. All right. So uh let's see, what else do I have going on? Oh, um our uh, our our mutual new coworker who who uh we were talking about Dresden files like a month or two ago when she first started. Yeah, it got me it got me interested in going through the series again. So probably the third time now I'm going through the audiobooks of the Dresden Files. Um, I started I started reading the the books because I do have them in ebook form. And that was that was great. Uh, but. I go on walks every day and it's really convenient to just pop in an earbud and listen to, you know, 45 minutes of a book while I'm walking. So I went back to the audiobooks just because of that. So uh, I don't know. Sometimes I feel bad for doing audiobooks instead of reading. It makes me feel like I'm less of a nerd for somehow, but <laughs> but they are good. And I, I've said this a hundred times, probably every time I talk about the audiobooks, they're narrated by James Marsters, and he does such a great job. I know our, our other mutual friend does not think so. He didn't like James Marsters as the narrator, but I thought I think he does a great job. So... And uh, the other thing is I started learning how to airbrush with acrylic paint. And I know that doesn't sound like much, but like before this, I didn't even own an airbrush, right? So <laughs> this is brand new and it's, it's not because I'm getting into art. It's that same doll project that I've talked about on the show oh, before. Oh, the creepy ass doll? Yeah, the ball jointed doll. I started looking into, okay, how do I paint this thing? I finally have it all printed. I've got it all primed. I've got it all sanded so it's good and smooth. Now, how do I paint it so it doesn't, it's not just gray primer, but it's skin, you know, because it's, it's a doll. It's supposed to have skin tones. Uh, and then there's a whole other facet of how, okay, now it's got a skin tone. How do I make it look more lifelike, which means like shading. And eventually, since it's a female doll, it's probably going to have like makeup and stuff on its face. I got no idea how to do that, but I can, I can lay down a base coat of spray paint pretty well. So uh, yeah, I'm learning how to how to thin acrylic spray uh, acrylic paint like craft paint, so you can spray it with us with an airbrush, 
and I laid down my first coat on one of the pieces of the doll today to see how it was going to work, and it came out pretty nice. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty proud of it. So, uh, yeah, you know, more, uh, more tales in the, the weird project that is building a ball-jointed doll with a 3D printer. One day the ball-jointed doll will be built. This, today. At this, at today this point, is not that day. At this point, it's going to be like a year and a half or two years to get the first doll put together. Now, admittedly, it's like it took me a couple weeks to get the pieces printed. And then they sat in a box for months, probably, because think life was just too busy. I didn't have time to deal with it. Uh, and then I started the sanding process and the and the primer. And I got that done in like two weeks. And then it sat since then. That's probably a month ago. Right. I think I talked about that on the show. Well, now I'm starting to do the this the skin tone. Once that's done, who knows? Because it's probably going to have to go to my wife to do the the touch up, you know, like the actual finish work, because I don't have an eye for the artistic side <laughs> of this stuff. Mm. <laughs> so I guess we'll see how it goes. And not to mention, right, I got to figure out, like, how do I put hair on it? I Apparently there's ball jointed doll wigs. How do I know what size wig it? I don't. I don't know. I, this is I, all stuff I, I need to figure out. I don't even want to know. Yeah, I, you're like I, I know. No, I don't know. I don't want to know anymore. Stop about ball jointed Stop! Doll. Stop with the ball jointed doll! No. Oh man. Eyes. It's another thing. It needs eyes. Creepy ass eyes. eyes. Yeah. Creepy ass eyes. So th- this is this is quite the interesting project. But, uh, yeah, that's what I've got going on this week. That's great. (laughs) You're the one playing Animal Crossing, man. Don't you judge my ball-jointed doll. But the ball-jointed doll's, like, ten times creepier than anything in Animal Crossing. (laughs) You're probably right. (laughs) All right. I think we're going to go on into the news, which you guys might be happy to hear is not exactly very extensive tonight. So uh, we'll see you on the other side of the purple button. All right, so here we go into the news. Uh, let's see here. The first article I've got, I heard about this on, like, the, the news proper. Like, I heard this on one of the news podcasts that I listened to in the morning. Um, and this is from Boing Boing. And this, this apparently is not the most expensive uh, sale of this type. But uh, the, the title is An Apple One Computer. Hand-built by Jobs and Wozniak, sells for $400,000. 400000 Now, they say that it sold originally for $666.66. I don't know why they chose that price. Maybe you know, being more of an Apple historian than I am. <laughs> Was it uh, the 666 number that they chose it for? Or is it just to be funny? Is it just like, we need a number. How's this? Woz likes repeating numbers. It says is that what it, right it comes down article. to? Yeah, okay. it's not satanic. Uh, he likes revelations. Numbers. Revelations is about Nero anyway, so whatever. Right. Um, now, one thing that's really cool, there is these wooden cased Apple computers. Yeah. There, there's one of the Smithsonian too. Yeah. Yeah. So they say that 
Now, I, I mentioned that this is not the most expensive that one of these is sold for. Apparently, back in 2014, one of them sold for 900000 Wow. Similar Apple One. This one apparently had two owners. Uh, it was bought by a professor at the... Here, Professor Chaffee. Wait, Professor at Chaffee College in Rancho Cucamanga. Cucamanga, which is like the best word ever in California. Uh, he bought it in 1976, I guess, when these were new, and then sold it. yeah. Well, he said he sold it to a student in 1977. Mm. So, oh, okay. But yeah, it said it was sold for $666.66 in 1976. So that's when this right. thing was originally sold. I assume and that's what they're saying is that that's when this guy bought it. Yeah, and the student paid 650 for it. He paid six, so it was already depreciating in, in price. <laughs> Sixteen dollars and sixty six cents, and it then it then yeah now at four hundred. Looking at I'm now looking at the Apple II sitting in the corner of my office, but I somehow don't think I'm going to get the same. You don't think it'll get four hundred grand? No, probably not. Apple IIs were a lot more uh, common common than the Apple One, and I don't think your Apple II was hand built by Steve Jobs or Steve Wozniak either. Unlikely, unlikely. Um, I've got. In the basement, I think I talked about this already on the show. I have a e-machine, or not e-machine, an e-Mac. Remember the educational Macs that were sold? Yep. That was It was the iMac, yep. uh, but but they were basically uh, a little I more... Would, I used to know every single Macintosh model. I I was... That was that was kind of like my jam at one, at one of my first real jobs when I worked at Micro Warehouse. I became like a Mac guru. Oh. Well, I have an e-Mac in the basement. Uh, a friend of mine was cleaning out his old house because he was going to sell the place and he was going to throw it in a dumpster. And I'm like, what do you want that? He said, Take it. Okay. So it's in my basement. I was going to try to fix it up and make it work. And then I don't know what I'm going to do with it from there. Some people say it might be worth a little money, not 400 grand, probably not even a grand, no. but, um, you know, if I can fix it up and either use it for fun or sell it for a couple hundred bucks, I think I'd be happy with that. But, I forget uh, what I forget what processor the Emacs had. I think than... he told me it was Intel, but I'm not certain. So anyway, I'm gonna I'm gonna someday clean it up. Maybe once the ball jointed doll is done. <laughs> so anyway, I just thought this was a cool article, a nice piece of it is cool. Computing it kinda, history. And it kind of goes along with old computing, yeah, like old stuff. Like talk, yep. we talked a lot about old computer stuff today. We did. So I think we that's did. very appropriate. Yeah, I, I'm just looking at the build. Like, it's literally a keyboard stuck inside of a wooden case. Even the feet appear to be wooden. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Why not? Pretty cool. I wonder, I'm, I'm just picturing Steve Wozniak in his in his garage with a circular saw. Did tutting. you, um, I think, I don't think, was that, uh, All right, so I guess what I guess they did put it in that wooden case. That's what it sounds like from the article. It sounds like that's the original case. That's what it came in. All right. So anyway, if you have an Apple One sitting around that uh, is collecting dust, and maybe you want four hundred grand, maybe you too I can make four hundred grand. Did you here. did you watch Steve Wozniak when he talked for Red Hat? I didn't, this year. I didn't get a chance to. 
I, I oh, should have, but I didn't. So good. I'm sure it's recorded somewhere. I hope it's recorded. I'll look it up. It's really, it was a, it was a great session. Cool. He is an interesting guy for, um, for as much as I didn't necessarily like Steve Jobs. I know he was a visionary and he really, he built Apple computer and a lot of people regard him as like the God of Apple. I think Waz Wozniak is the, Waz is is the true God. He's the so much, so much of a better, he's a better person Hearing some of the history on the Command Line Heroes uh, podcast where they they talked with him and they talked about some of the stuff he did in the time frame where he was building these computers. He just sounds like he got it so much more than Jobs. And Jobs was just the pretty boy that sold it all, you know, and that that frustrates me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But anyway, um, but. Yeah. the Macintosh would not be if it weren't for the You're insanity right. of Steve Jobs. You're right. You're right. So he obviously he served a purpose. It's just that Steve Jobs I equate to Bill Gates, like the same old scuzzy businessman, interesting building building a, a financial empire on top of technology. Pirates of Silicon Valley. You ever watched that movie? I did a long time ago. I should probably watch it again and refresh my memory. But yeah, I thought it was pretty well done. Yeah, and you know, again, you're right. Gates and Jobs. They both, they pioneered this industry. Like, like it or not, like them or hate them, they did a lot to get this industry where it is today. Uh, so without them, maybe we, we, you and I wouldn't be here doing a podcast about IT at all because IT might be different. We might not even have jobs in IT, right? Like the, the Apple whole thing is, would be different. The Apple II is, was my genesis. So right. yeah, without jobs, I don't know where it would have been. Right. Timing would have been disrupted enough that we I would not be a co-host on the Iron Sysad, and I'm willing to stake that unequivocally. Right. So, anyway, we're going to move along to an article along. from Motherboard. Uh, Robinhood, which apparently it's an investing Prince service, of I think. Thieves. Yeah, not, not the Prince so, of Thieves. Robinhood, remember when the whole GameStop thing happened? About, yes. Yeah, that was the trading platform that shut trading down. Oh, okay. Now it makes and irritated sense. a lot of people. I remember the word. I remember the name Robin Hood. I didn't know if that was a person or a service. It was a service. It was the okay. service. Yeah. Anyway, so Robin Hood uh, says it was hacked and extorted, but no one lost any money. Oh no! I'm sure that Robin Hood has lost some money over this. So when they say no one, they mean none of their customers, I assume. But That's good. um. So uh, basically, a customer service representative was tricked into, was social engineered, which is essentially tricked, into yeah. somehow giving somebody access to one of their internal, you know, customer service systems. Now, they say it was done over the phone, right? So I'm, I'm picturing, like, I call up Robinhood customer service, and I am a real slick MF, and I convince them to give me a username and a password? Like, how, how does this happen? <laughs> I would really love to know. And they don't go into a ton of detail here just that it was over the phone and that it was a customer service person. I would love it if somebody were to somehow get the details about this. Cause I'd love to see how in the hell you, you get bet, this level I'll, of access through a phone on a customer service person. I'll bet it was a mixture of slickness and intimidation probably made the customer service person think they were like a higher up in the company. Yeah. Could be, could be. I'm stuck here. I don't, I'm not at my computer. 
Yeah. Need your help. Help me or I'm going to fire you. Right. Right. So uh, it's, it's, it's interesting. But so basically what they say, there are some numbers thrown around here about how many people were impacted. I had them. So f- let's see. In access to email addresses of more than 5 million customers, the full names of 2 million other customers and other data from a smaller group of customers. And they say that was like, I thought they threw around the number like 300 for that one. Oh, we also believe that more a more limited number of people, approximately 310 in total, additional personal information, including name, date of birth, zip code, was exposed. And a subset of approximately 10 customers having more extensive account details revealed it added. Um, it doesn't sound like they've told us what the more extensive data was. What I'm really curious about is who those 10 people are. Are they like 10 random unlucky schmoes? Or are they a targeted? Yeah. Like, are right? they people, are these the people they were after? Right? I'm going to guess. That's what it feels like, right? Yeah. And I'm not big into conspiracies and shit, but right. that sure feels like it. Yeah, it feels like these are people that somehow they knew were customers of Robinhood. And they're probably the whales. They were, they were coming to get the info on. Yeah. Or, you know, maybe it's just like I'm poking around in a system. I found this. Oh, let's see where this goes. It got me to these this two million out. people. Where does this go? Got me to these 300 people. Who are these people? Right. And that just happens to be luck. Right. It could be. But uh, that sure sounds suspicious to me. That sounds like they were. It's sus. They were targeted. But as uh, the kids would say, it's sus. That is sus. Yo. Sus. What's the, what's the phrase? Red is sus. <laughs> so anyway, if you're a Robinhood customer, go, uh, go change your name and address. No, you can't do that. <laughs> Put an arrow in that one. <laughs> All right. And this one I ran across really just before we were starting the show. And I, I only really included it because it's really interesting to me as a content creator. Uh, and it's from The Verge. Is The Verge the news outlet you don't like, Mark? No, no. The new salad I don't like is the register. The register. That's, I knew there was a the in there. Right? So that the narrows, register, the friggin that narrows it da- down. The friggin uh, National Enquirer of tech ju- journalism. Right. So anyway, terrible. The Verge reports that Patreon is uh, well. Here, I'll just read off the the headline. Patreon's building a native video hosting for creators to sidestep YouTube now. Anybody who's dabbled at all in the content content creation world and looked into the financials of it, looked into how to get paid for creating content in a freelance way or in a a private way, maybe. I don't know what the word I'm looking for is. Not employed by someone to create content, but just create your own content and get paid for it in some way. Currently, the way to do that is to make content, put it on YouTube, get big enough that you can turn on uh, monetization, which then gets you YouTube AdSense or Google AdSense profits from your video creations. And then of course you can monetize in other ways like merchandising and sponsorships and whatever, but merchandise, but the, the, the particular problem that that causes is YouTube is kind of the platform. That's it. Sure. There's things like TikTok and there's things like you know, Instagram reels and whatever, but they're not, they serve different use cases. Like for very short form, what do they call it? Micro video or something like that. 
content. TikTok is perfect. Uh, Instagram Reels is perfect. Facebook's, uh, what's Facebook calling it? Facebook has a similar thing where they do short uh, videos because everyone does. Even YouTube has gotten into the shorts market. Um, but to do longer content, YouTube is kind of it. You can do YouTube or you can go to someplace like Vimeo, but you've got to pay to be on Vimeo. They don't pay you. Um, or you can host yourself. And if you host yourself, good luck. No one sees your content because they don't know how to find it, right? Um, there really aren't, really aren't that many options in this world. So people are kind of stuck with YouTube and YouTube has a lot of problems. And one of those being that Google, we've talked about this plenty of times. Google, of course, owns YouTube. And Google has the attention attention span of an ADD squirrel, right? Yeah. So, no, I don't. I'm not saying they're ever going to just shut down YouTube like they have so many other services because that one is actually making the money. The problem is that um, they're letting you quote unquote host your content for free, right? And they make money on your content by showing ads, and then they give you a tiny little piece of that money. <sighs> I'm going off on a rant here, but the point is, you are. That this is like. I, I, I this, my level of rant. I feel a little a little passionate about this as a content creator, right? Because I would love to be able to produce content for my fans and receive money for that content in a way that is not necessarily funding some multi-billion dollar organization, right? I have no idea if what Patreon is doing or about to do will fit that that need. But it would be awesome if it had content creators in mind instead of lining their own pockets. And Patreon generally is a lot more focused on paying creators than it is on filling their own pockets, right? So I will be happy to see what comes out of this. And that's the whole reason I included this article. Um, it's really light on details because there aren't any details out there yet. It just says that Jack Conte, he's the guy, Conte, is that how you pronounce it? He's the CEO of Patreon said, like, it's a thing we're going to do. <laughs> and that's about as far as he's released. So uh, I'm going to pay attention to this because if it's, a, if it's a place for people like me to host content, maybe even host this podcast, um, I'll, I'll at least consider it, right? So anyway, there you go. YouTube is a terrible place to host your content, but it's the only place to host your content. Ah, <laughs> oh, boy. So, uh, yeah. Patreon content hosting could be cool. Could be cool. See what happens, right? Yeah. Yep. The challenge always is how do you find the content, right? Like, yeah, YouTube is I you can get lost in YouTube being referred. Yes. From video to video to video to video. And to be honest, my content on YouTube, the the most most of the views come from people browsing around YouTube, stumbling across my videos. It's not from external searches, even though I share my videos like every freaking where I can think of on social media. The majority of the views don't come from there. They come from browse features, which means someone is clicking around YouTube and they stumble across my video. Yeah. <clears throat> so um, it's going to be hard to not and depend Joe, on that. Joe, yeah, Joe Consumer wants doesn't want to be using a platform that's a minority platform. Joe user wants to go to the platform right. where everybody is so right. that, that he's just so that he can see the content everybody else wants to see. Right. You know, 
it, it it's a tough it's a tough nut to crack. The how do you get how do you break out of these monolithic platforms? Yeah, because honestly, the monolith the monolithic platforms don't generally have your best interest in mind. They have their best interests in mind. You just happen yeah. they 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 make it they make it just attractive enough for you to be there making content, right? Mm-hmm. And then at any moment they can change the rules. And YouTube did this to us. It's probably four or five years ago at this point where they changed the rules about who was allowed to be monetized. And people who were making a living on YouTube all of a sudden yeah, suddenly they weren't all of a sudden couldn't make any money on YouTube or content wise, right? Um, another rather famous thing that YouTube changed were or there's two of them actually. One of them is firearms content. YouTube decided, nope, firearms content is not okay. We're not really gonna we're not gonna promote it. You can still put it here, but we're not gonna show it to anybody because we think guns are bad. And then people who had firearms content, completely legit, people that are like marksmanship instructors or instructional or whatever, uh, all of a sudden they're no one's seeing their videos because YouTube decided we're not going to promote that stuff. And the other is hacking videos, and this one's a lot more close to this uh, this, this this podcast. This podcast, but um, videos about computer security, YouTube suddenly decided. That stuff is, we're not just not going to promote it. We're going to actually start banning videos that we consider, quote unquote, hacking, illegal hacking. A lot of folks who were doing instructional hacking videos or walkthroughs on CTF challenges or whatever, all of a sudden found that their content was not just not being shown to people. It was actually banned from the platform. Right. Yeah. So, and that, like, that's bad. <laughs> it's, it's bad for content. That's creators. a shame. Because when you become a monolithic platform, and this is one of this is like the free speech argument, you can either be a you 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 don't get to be a publisher anymore, you don't get to edit the content, right? That you that you display outside of like edge cases of like obscene like oh yeah illegal content yep right yeah I mean there's but, there's there's obviously content that is acceptable, right? And ex- content that incl- that contains violence or nudity or you know like exploitation of I children. Mean, the, like those are all right. things that generally yeah. people agree probably don't belong on a public platform. Yeah, yeah. Like we can all agree that child porn is bad. I hope we can all agree child. I porn hope so. Is bad. That <laughs> if not, then we have no common ground. But, you know, then you start, you know, one person's violence can be another person's entertainment. One person's sexually explicit content is another person's entertainment. You might personally have a problem with it, but as long as it's not breaking the law, that. I think you get into real sticky situations and we there's been, you know, Congress has been struggling with this a little bit. Yep. A lot of the attention's on Facebook. Yep. But but YouTube is is just as YouTube and Twitter are just as, you know, air quote bad. Yeah. Once you get to a certain point, you're a utility, right? Yeah. Because a lot of these companies take advantage of laws for that that a telecom would be able to take advantage of or a utility would be able to take advantage of. But you can't you can't get those advantages, but yet be able to play the role of a publisher and censor content that you happen to that you disagree with because right 
the 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 new vice president of content media is exceptionally woke. Right. Right. Yeah, and that that's a perfect example for things like the firearms content, right? Like these aren't people that are breaking the law. They're no, people that are no. trying to educate people on proper firearms use or firearms modification or whatever. And shooting's fun. I like it. It is. It is. Right? I, I've gone shooting with my scouts a lot. It's uh, my dad always used to take me shooting when I was young. It's there's nothing there's nothing illegal or immoral about shooting. Yeah, I mean there's a very shooting distinct sports. line between dangerously wielding a firearm or or wielding a firearm in an illegal way and simply recreationally owning and using a firearm whether that's for hunting or target shooting or home defense right um and to just like blatantly say we don't like that content because too many people use guns to hurt other people well that's true like it is true and i don't want to get into a firearms debate but it's a great it's a great example of where you're taking content that is not illegal in any way and you're making it right difficult and to make that sort of content on your platform and people are being hurt, not physically hurt, but monetarily hurt because of it. Right. And again, these YouTube and Facebook and stuff are saying, well, we're not publishers. We're, they're, they're, they're trying to have the best of both worlds as far as regulation right. and, and other things. You're either a publisher or you're not. And if you're a publisher, you got to play by a different set of rules than if you're a utility. Right. And of course, tech moves so fast that Congress can't keep up with them. Congress is old, stupid white guys that don't get tech for the most part. Yep. And some old, stupid women, let's be honest. Yeah, yeah. That's not. Um, let's not be gender biased. They're all stupid. There's plenty of old <laughs> stupid people in Congress, and not that they're stupid, but they're, they're like no, they're uninformed, is what it is. They don't. They don't get. It, they don't understand. Yeah, they, they don't, don't understand, understand the nuances of certain industries. IT is one of them, or technology is one of them. Whatever. So that's uh, where the hell did this come from. Oh yeah, so so hopefully Patreon is successful. Patreon is successful. <laughs> is that where you would host your stuff at that point? I don't know. So apparently they already host podcasts, and I didn't know that, and it makes me curious. Uh, well, what that's, that's kind all of a about. bad sign. What that it made me that curious? You didn't know that that I didn't know that that is kind of a bad sign. Well, you know, we didn't read an article about it on the air when that happened. Maybe we should have. <laughs> Excuse me. But anyway, apparently you can already host podcasts with them, so maybe we can learn something from how they host podcasts with maybe that will teach us how they might host video content. Now, if it turns into like only patrons can see your video content, then obviously that's uh, that's not the way I would want that to work. Although it is a way to get paid for content that people actually want to see, so I don't know. It's kind of like OnlyFans, anyway. <laughs> it is like only. <laughs> uh, but no porn on OnlyFans. They changed those rules. I don't know. Did they change them back? I think now? they, I think I they, think changed, they them changed them back because they realized that without porn, they got yeah. nothing. They're like, wait, wait, how many of our users are sexually explicit content? Uh, all of them? Most of them. What? The Iron Sis Edmund will not be moving to OnlyFans, by the way. <laughs> Nobody wants that. Nobody wants that. <laughs> all right, folks. So this has been fun. I hope you guys have enjoyed it as much as we have. Um, let me well, get maybe to my... some people do, but I'm not selling myself out for them. Okay. You're still on that. Are you now, now you're dreaming about an OnlyFans? No, let's not go there, Mark. 
You have a day job. You don't need to. <laughs> well, maybe I just want to become an OnlyFans influencer. I don't know. There you go. You want to be an OnlyFans influencer. All right. So if you want to watch this train wreck live, folks, you can do so on the second, and fourth, the second and fourth Thursday of every month. However, I did want to mention the next Thursday of this month happens to fall on the U.S. holiday of Thanksgiving. I'm sorry, folks, but I am not going to record a tryptophan-fueled sleepy podcast the night of Thanksgiving. We're probably going to skip the, one, the second show of this month. <laughs> I'm so, okay with that. So you will not see us this the fourth Thursday of November, but we will be back with see Ed Scotus. you in December. In December to talk about Holiday Hack. I think it's the first episode in December ho, he's going to be on ho. to talk Ed about Scotus, Holiday Hack man. as he is every year. He actually reached out to me this year. I actually felt, I, I felt almost like proud for a minute because instead of me having to reach out to him, he just wrote me. He's like, hey. Hey, and Ed, we do this thing every year. Come on, we're gonna do it again. Yes, let's do it again. <laughs> and Ed Scotus is a super, super fun guy to have on. He is. He's a great guy. He's a great guy. So look forward to him being on again. Probably the next time we record, because like I said, Thanksgiving. I'm not I'm not doing a show on Thanksgiving. Maybe uh, Howard. We'll, we'll we'll release an old show. Just just like uh, like TV sitcoms would do. Sometimes they would just re-air an old show on a sh- on a week when they didn't have a new show to show. We're going to do that. Yeah, but we don't have to do that because people can just You're go right. and look at the show whenever they want. <laughs> You're this right. isn't broadcast TV. I'm joking, Mark. Good I'm joking. It's not. It's a joke. I would not do that to to our listeners. <laughs> or, right. I get where you're coming from. Or would I? Might. Would I? Anyway. So, uh, right. If you want to talk to us, you can do so on the Discord community. I haven't hit that button the whole show. Is this it? Discord. There it is. It sure is. Uh, you can you can reach out on our community and chat with us. There's it's a pretty active community, folks. People are there. People are chatting. We just had someone asking about uh, some help with Ansible earlier today. So come it on in. Active. It's it's not just to, to talk about how much you love me and Uncle Mark. You can like Although actually talk to other IT people. Um, right. And if you want to watch us live, YouTube and Twitch, just look up the Iron Sysadmin podcast. You can find us on social media, Facebook and Twitter. The Iron Says Been podcast, in case you didn't guess. And if you want to support us, you can do so on Patreon, where maybe you'll someday find all of our content. Patreon.com slash Iron Been. And I think that's a show for tonight. You got any final closing words there, Mark? Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying that we're not going to be on OnlyFans. <laughs> we're not going to be on OnlyFans. We're not. Okay. Or not? No, I, you, we'll we'll make a version of the logo that's not wearing any clothing, and that'll be on. There you go. <laughs> that'll be on. No, nah, this is a this is a fun night today. Everybody have a fantastic Thanksgiving. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I, I I'm a little sad we weren't able to get X working, but what can you do? Maybe next time. Yeah. We'll totally we'll we'll do a follow up show. We'll get X working. I'm, I'm sure everyone hey. would love that. I might fuss with it. I might fuss with it a bit myself on one of my lab machines and see what I can do. Yeah, I mean, I got to say it was it was actually relatively easy to get the Rel Five stuff or Red Hat Five stuff to boot um, yeah. in KVM. It's really really wasn't that hard at all. The, I think I even have the. I think you gave me the ISO or the, I grabbed um, the ISO from somewhere. The uh, the zero point nine release. I couldn't even get the boot disk to, to boot. Like it would try to boot I, I, and it would get me that broken Lilo prompt. Lee. Lee. The Lee prompt. Lee. Any anybody who ran Linux Lee. of this particular age will recognize the tr- that you, and they will immediately the dreaded, Lee. they'll immediately get that pit in their stomach when they see L I and no L O. 
We're so screwed. It's yeah. doing Lee. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. I think All it's right, time folks. to stop. It's time to stop. Folks, we will catch you on the next show when Ed Scotus is on. So, everybody, uh, have a great month till then. Peace.